Hey, welcome everyone back to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm your host, Donovan Beer, recording from the on-brand conference here in the Harper Center at Creighton University here in Omaha. And I have with me one of the keynote speakers, Whitney Warren. Whitney, you, you opened this session kind of, right? They, they, I did. They did things and then boom. Yeah, well, I mean, I like to send people out with a lot of energy into the day. I think that's part of being the opening keynote speaker. Get people pumped up, get people talking, get people ready to experience everything else. What was your talk on? Uh, so I talked about mastering motivation, how to motivate ourselves and how we motivate others. Oh, you're not lying. You're ready to get them. They're going to go. They're going to go more. be motivating. Hopefully. That's the goal. Motivated to sit down and and sit through another few talks for the rest of the day. (laughs) That would be ideal. That's one thing we can motivate them to do or motivate them to interact or walk towards somebody that maybe they felt like they didn't understand before. And part of what I go through in my talk is how to understand people that previously we were like, "Mm, I don't don't get them. I'm just going to walk away. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. And and have you had one of these experiences recently? Oh, I have these experiences all the time. Even as, so I'm an emotional intelligence trainer and today I was speaking on mastering motivation and I talk about the Enneagram, which is just a personality assessment that identifies your core motivations, fears, and desires. So we take, we, I mean, we tend to live in a culture that loves personality assessments, but most personality assessments spit out behaviors. Like this is what they're gonna look like in the workplace. This is what they're gonna do. The Enneagram will reveal to you why you do it. The subconscious internal thoughts, feelings, and action patterns that you have that actually get you out of bed. Not the job, not the kids, the why behind all of that. And what we start to understand is that there's nine different core whys. And my why, I'm guessing Donovan, is different than your why. Oh, geez. What are, okay, what are the nine? Do you know them? I, well, I you know? do, I do. So the Enneagram, you're going to get a number. No number is better or worse than the others. In fact, the Enneagram, if you look it up, it's a circle. And the circle starts at the top with eights, nines, and ones. So eights are motivated by maintaining power and having control over themselves and their destiny. These are people who like to be leaders, like to get up. They, you know, I'm an eight. I, I'm totally fine standing on stage. I'd rather be on stage than in the audience. And, and that's the rare one, I'm, I'm assuming. It is it not. Ac- well, it depends. Um, the rarest one is actually the four. We'll get there. But you're going to see eights a lot of times in positions of leadership because they are actually motivated to take up that space. They, they aim for it. They go for it. They'll do whatever is hard because that is what gets them out of bed in the morning is facing the challenge head on as the leader of the challenge. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then you move on. You get nines. You get to the, like right next door are, are peacekeepers. These are people who are motivated by harmony and bringing people together and uniting. So they tend to be highly collaborative leaders. But what you'll notice in them is that they might not always offer their own opinion. They will be championed for other people's opinions but they might withdraw their own. So these are people who are seeking comfort, seeking unity, seeking collaboration, and they lead from the softer side of that space. Then you move over into the ones. These are your precise, structured, concise leaders. These are people who have a list, they check it twice, and they're gonna check your list too. They want things to be good and right. They are motivated by creating the best version of something they possibly can. So these are your classic perfectionists. Mm -hmm. Okay, then we keep going. You go around the circle and you head into twos, threes, and fours. Twos, they're motivated by being liked and appreciated. These are the people who will do anything for you. 
You know, they're the people who are stopping by. They're getting everybody else's tasks done. They're bringing the snacks to the party. They're making sure that you're okay after your grandmother's passed away. And all they need is that moment of like, I see you, thank you. Thank you for all you do. So they're motivated by feeling that appreciation. You get into threes, these people are motivated by getting it done and reaching the goal. These are your classic achiever people. They're like, what's the goal? I don't care what it takes, I'm gonna get to that goal. So very success oriented. These are the people who, in the workplace, they're always like, okay, efficiency, clarity, this is the mission, let's head forward. Okay. Then we have our fours, they're unique and authenticity oriented. These are people who are deep feeling, very intuitive, tend to be, like in the workplace, they're always gonna wanna have their unique thumbprint on a project. They are not status quo people, They're, they are, how can I make this mine people? We move into our five, sixes, and sevens. Fives have a strong desire to understand. In fact, they are motivated by understanding the world. These are people who ask a lot of questions. They're very process oriented. They may look like introverts to everybody else, even if they're extroverted. For, for them, they're like, I'm an extrovert, but the world will experience them as introverted. They listen, they absorb, and then they come back with questions. These are your curious investigators. Also very inventive because they spend a lot of time absorbing knowledge so they can create something new. We move into our sixes. These are the people who want to feel safe and secure. These people are worst case scenario people. What could go wrong? These are the people in your work environment that could be like, did you see this and this fire and this fire and this fire? And when we really listen to them and value that perspective, we realize that they are working to keep us all safe as we move through the next great adventure. And then we finish right next to the eights with our sevens. These are our enthusiastic visionaries. These are the people who are what's next, what's possible. They're motivated by experiencing it all. They love to continue hopping from project to project to project, but their fear is that they'll be trapped in repetition, limitation, or restriction. So they want to avoid any sort of mental pain. And those are your nine types in a very, very tiny nutshell. I like it. So do you do you just get to pick yours based on what number you like better? Oh, that wouldn't that works? be great? I know. <laughs> or what if what if you get stuck in one, but you're like, I don't really like that number. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can you change it? Mm-hmm. Or, is it or are you kind of stuck? You, you, you're stuck. You're uh, stuck in there. So we were born into this, into this body that we have, and we came out with a core motivation. We came out with an orientation to how we see the world. The good news is that the Enneagram will identify your strengths, but it will also identify the things that become weak about ourselves because we will overemphasize our strength. But at the same time as saying like, hey, this isn't what's, this is what's not working, it gives you a path to start to work on it. So that's another reason why I love the Enneagram is it's not just a diagnostic tool, it's a tool for transforming your orientation towards how you think, feel, and act. So, you're the same type, you have the same core, core motivation throughout your whole life, but you can absolutely change how you orient yourself towards your motivation. Oh, I see. Okay. Where do people go to find out more information or to find out what they are, what mm-hmm. number? So my favorite assessment is from Integrative 9, any Integrative Enneagram Solutions. If you type in either of those, you'll get right there. They have the most accurate assessment on the market. So if you're just looking for an assessment, I would type in Integrative 9 into your browser. They have an incredible assessment. It's the one that I administer. Or you can reach out directly to me at evokeq.com. And I love guiding leaders and teams through this process. Because as soon as you know, you know, the person sitting across from the table, you're like, oh, that person just drives me crazy. I don't understand why they ask these questions. I don't understand. 
the Enneagram answers the question of how, what do I need to know to understand that person? As soon as we as humans understand why someone is doing something, we instantly, almost naturally, create compassion for why they're showing up the way they do. So I've been able to watch teams of 10, 20, I've watched whole organizations go through this process and I see the light bulbs of like, oh, that person's not trying to be a pain. They're actually bringing their gift to the table. It just happens to be a perspective that I rarely consider. And instead of using them as opposition, what if I brought them on my team? Because they're obviously seeing something the way that I don't, and we can use each other and collaborate with each other rather than push each other away. Oh, yeah, the whole... Cause, cause you see that. I understand that. You're mm-hmm. like, why do they keep asking these questions? They make yes. no sense to me. Yes. And, and then if you understand what number they are, you're like, okay, now mm-hmm. I can see what... So I don't have a lot of six in me, like that, that safety security person. I actively run towards risk. I love it. I want all of it. I don't I don't think about consequences naturally. It's not part of my setup. But I have people on my team that the first thing they think about are co- the consequences. What could go wrong? So when we're about to do a new initiative, I'm all about ideas. I'm all about what's next. I'm all about how can we move through this and get it done. My team is there to protect us all from my abundant energy to simply move forward. <laughs> They're there okay, to be like, yeah. okay, here's, okay, we're gonna do this thing, but here are the fires that I see along the way. Let's just be prepared and step towards the vision. So that's how we create teamwork and that's how we create a really effective end product is by allowing all of those voices and perspectives to be honored and heard in the workspace. Okay, well, we're gonna be right back with Whitney. Whitney, if people want to follow your work itself, where, where, do you, where do you recommend them to go? Absolutely. So my website is www.evokeeq.com. Evoke is spelled E-V-O-K-E and then E-Q.com. Yeah, we are talking to designers and we can't spell, so that, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, it's hard to, I mean, it's all together. There's a lot yeah. of E's in the website. So you can come there and, and find me there, and then my podcast will be launching July 31st. So oh, it's well, happening. that's in the past then. So yes. this... This this was this is actually we're on July thirteenth is when this was recorded, but people are listening to this well into the future. So oh, okay. <laughs> so What's it'll the be podcast? Up the podcast is Evoke EQ, uh, emotionally intelligent conversations for evolving leaders. And what's what's the have you, have you started recording now? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, or? we got lots of episodes happening. Okay. Yeah. So I talk to leaders about how they lead how what emotional intelligence tools they're using to lead so i use the enneagram but there's a million ways that you can build your emotional intelligence the definition of emotional intelligence is the ability to pause understand and then choose your reaction rather than just resulting to the default reaction that we are patterned into us so when you start to work on that for me it means not just instantly going into action or problem solving mode for me emotional intelligence is pausing looking around, asking other people what they're seeing, and then proceeding with others. And when I can pause and have that moment, I'm practicing my emotional intelligence. So I'm gathering all of the different leaders that I know, love, and respect that work on this space and asking them their tools so we can have one place where everyone can come and listen and learn and create professional development. What's the best tool you've learned about mm-hmm. from doing this so far? Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe the one that you didn't expect? 
Sometimes it's not always the best, but it's the craziest, and it's the one you just can't stop thinking about, even though it's... Yeah, absolutely. One of my very first guests shared, she's an executive coach, and she was my coach for a long time, and she said one of the first exercises she does is she does a trust exercise, where all you do is you walk through a space, you walk through a couple days, and you start to catalog, do I trust that person, or do I not trust that person? And like this could be, I'm talking your Starbucks barista, the person that is dropping your kid off at school, the teacher in, in your kid's program, your coworker, and just mentally start understanding, do I trust that person or do I not? And then start to look at who you're trusting and who you're not. Because very often, when we just start to do that, we realize that our trust barometer has way more to do with our internal stories than what's happening with the person on the other side of that equation. So you can start to work with trust from a space of trust is mine to maintain and support and heal. And it's not about the other person. We so frequently make trust about the other person. They have to earn it. They have to maintain it. And part of that is true. But most of us have barriers to even putting trust in front of another person. And so when you start to realize that actually you're in charge of trust, you're in charge of your relationship to trust, you can completely transform who you let into your life and how you let them into your life. Oh, that's interesting. Because mm-hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a simple question, but it means a lot. It does. Who do you trust? And I oftentimes find that people who are very untrustworthy of others, if you get right into them, they're very untrustworthy of themselves. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So we tend to pass along the things that are deepest in us and we think that it's about them and I'm always like okay but what does this mean how is this happening in you if you see the world as very judgmental like everyone is so judgy I am willing to bet that you are super judgy and I say that as a judger as someone who is like I, I bow to the to the judgment gods and I say please forgive me please release me from this space but I know I'm a judger and so I think everyone is judging me the way I would be judging them the truth is I'm doing all that work I have no idea if they're judging me or not I'm judging me therefore I think they're judging me yeah and most people because the, the more you think about it don't even think about you like, mm-hmm. exactly they don't they don't judge you because they're yeah. like I don't know I'm not that, that important but in my head I'm the most important thing in that room and we all are we all have that moment of like or we have the story that we're not the most important person in the room and that creates a whole different perspective that's crazy and, and by the way for everyone if you hear the noise in the background we got a taco bar behind us we here. do I'm like this is the best uh, conference food I've ever sit, laid out I am thrilled about what's about to happen yeah yeah I mean they, they've been setting it up mm-hmm. the line's going mm-hmm. I think I think I think the the next keynote the lunch is a little early but I think it's because you got to get your plate in there you do yeah but it's it's not in the room it's not being delivered there's just I mean, they came out. They mm-hmm. set it up quick. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. full. It looks good. It looks good. I love a conference that's got a great, great uh, buffet in the middle of it because then you're fed well and you can go into the next sessions with energy. You're telling people to get motivated. Yeah. And then you're immediately jamming them with so much food that they mm. will be unmotivated. Mm. Well, it depends on what food you choose. Food choice is part of motivation. We are motivated to choose certain things based on the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah, but I don't trust what I'm gonna put on my plate. (laughs) Because you don't trust yourself with what you're gonna put on your plate? Probably. Yeah, most of us actually can't trust 
what we put on our plate because it's it's a hard part for most of us. I struggle with this as well. I do I do uh, uh, emotional intelligence coaching around relationships with food. That's one of the things I specialize in because our relationship with food is an emotional relationship. And how often do you pause before you put that thing in your mouth? And I'm not speaking directly to you. I'm speaking directly to me. How often do I pause before I put, you know, the third scoop of ice cream into my bowl? Well, oh, oh well, I mean, put it in your bowl. Once it's in the bowl, it's, it's going in the mouth. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what was the motivation to do that? What was the motivation to pause that? I mean, the buffet line is just a, a buffet of emotional choices. Oh, jeez. <laughs> What, what's gonna what's gonna what's gonna be the big hang-up for the most of the people here from your from your experience? Um, people are is it mostly... the amount of cheese? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, or, is it, or is it the how many how many mm-hmm. tortillas you put on it first? Well, some like, people are gonna be thinking, okay, well, great. Do you know maybe a one is like oh, they did? It's not the perfect setup. Maybe they're missing a fork. Now it doesn't look like they're missing anything. So a one is gonna be like they did it right. But maybe a three is looking at it and they're like, okay, I want the best options. I want to walk out of here with the very best looking plate. Some people are going to be deeply concerned with what other people think about what's on their plate. Mm. And they're going to think about, well, if I put this on my plate, will I be judged? Uh, well, see, I'm going to go. The line will be done. I'm going to mm-hmm. go and I'm going to eat it in here so mm-hmm. no one's going to see my no plate. No one's going to see it. There'll be no judging on my plate. Absolutely. So you, you're, you're motivated to do it in pri- to eat the food in private. <laughs> I guess. I don't know if it's good or bad. Well, there's no there's no right, wrong, good or bad. There's just our perspective of what is right, wrong, or good. Now I'm gonna be judged on what you think about how I'm gonna eat this thing. <laughs> or maybe you're gonna be implying how I'm judging you when I'm really not even thinking about it. I'm just thinking about my tacos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do, I mean, and there's even corn or flour tortillas. I think I saw it there. They they so love the our, our gluten free people. It starts with the decision be, mm-hmm. immediately. Actually, it starts with motivation, and motivation motivates decisions. Mm-hmm. 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 I don't know if I can even go to the buffet now. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I've it. talked you out of it. I feel like you think your buffet choice means everything about you. And you're not wrong. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to be right back. So, Whitney, first off, we got to thank the AF. PRSA, AMA chapters of Nebraska and Omaha for putting, in, putting on this conference and bringing you in from, mm-hmm. from Des Moines. Yes, not too far. Two-hour drive. I landed here yesterday. Yeah, you don't really take a flight from Des Moines. No, you don't. You just get in your car and you zoom right on down the interstate. Yeah, that one's... Um, you're, you're my neighbor. I loved it. The second I said, hey, can you get to Omaha? I'm like, absolutely. Let's come hang out in this great city. And we've got three keynote speakers. Mm-hmm. You're, you're done there, but... But they've got you running a breakout as well. I know. I get to double dip today. That's the best part. So I'm going to continue teaching about the Enneagram. But in this section, instead of focusing on motivation, we're talking about how to persuade others by starting to listen for their personality styles. So when we talk about persuasion, we cannot miss that part of persuasion is understanding that we're always manipulating. And if I say that word and people, generally people have a negative orientation towards the word manipulation. Like if I'm being manipulated, it, it it's a sound, bad It thing. doesn't sound positive. It doesn't sound positive. And sometimes it's not, right? We can manipulate for negative reasons and we can manipulate for what we think are positive reasons. But what I'll say is manipulation at its core is showing up in such a way that you nudge the end result in the direction that you wanted it to go. Meaning that when I'm in front of people, I am constantly thinking about what are the top three things that this group could need? They wanna know 
that they're autonomous, that they have autonomous decision-making, that they have power in their own life. They want to know that they're accepted. Some people, so some people are autonomy focused. I can do this all by myself. I've got this. Some people are acceptance focused. These people want to know that you love them, that you'll take care of them. These are story focused people. You bring them in with a hug and a smile. And some people are security focused. They want to know that they're going to get the data, the information, and the stats in order to make the best decision. So when you're marketing or when you're talking to a group of people, you start with, okay, how do I gain trust? And how do I show that you're, you have autonomy with me? I establish credibility. I establish, I'm the expert, I got this. And you'll see this in advertising all the time. When we bring in a celebrity, that is establishing trust and it's establishing trust through, okay, this person obviously has control of their life. If they have it, I can too. But I think people also sniff out. They know they know if that celebrity would actually use that product Absolutely. in a lot of places. Because sometimes you see one that's a mismatch and you're mm -hmm. like, I don't know, you feel less about the yeah. product and the celebrity yeah. immediately. And that's an interesting moment because what, they, what the advertising agency was likely trying to do in that moment was to create that ping for someone who's looking for credibility, but there was a gap. And that's going to do more to damage that experience than anything when you feel like, oh, I should be able to trust this person and I can't. Like they didn't line up for me. And then you step into people who are looking to be told a story in order to engage. These are people where, you know, the people who cry at commercials, like these people want that emotional connection to the product. If they feel it, they're going to press that button. They're like, mine, oh, I felt it. I um, mean, then you have people who want the data, you know, early adopters who are like, I want the specs. I want, I want to know how long it'll run, how fast it'll run, and which one's the best thing. Ideally, you're hitting all three of these. You're creating trust you're telling a great story, and you're giving people all the details that they need in order to buy the product. When you hit all three of these things, you've hit all three parts of persuasion. So no matter who you're talking to and what their bias is, they're gonna hear something in it that resonates with them. And sometimes I'm assuming you can't do all three in like one, in like one short commercial or something. So I think it might be a larger campaign or yeah. you might have to push them somewhere. Yes. Uh, my experience is that usually like a, a commercial will lead from one style. They might touch a little bit on the other two styles, but they'll lead with one. And then they'll use a holistic campaign to touch all three of those styles. It's good, th it's good to think about to say like, are we touching these three things mm -hmm. somewhere in our, mm -hmm. in the full things? Because I know campaigns aren't just... Yeah one little short commercial or something yeah. there they're multi multiple touch points yep and you it, you have to really examine how you take in information because as if you're leading a campaign now I am someone who goes if someone I trust says they love a product I'll just buy the product I won't look at the reviews I won't look at the details I don't need a story I trust you you say it's good I'm ready to go because I'm very autonomy focused and I'm very trust focused but some people need to be brought in and told. And if that's your style, you're naturally going to lean towards storytelling to get the product sold. If you're a data person, you'll lead with data. So you have to be really, really clear. Where's my starting point? And where is the one that I rarely dip into and I need to work on? For me, it's that analytical side. I love telling a good story. I love putting my shoulders back and creating trust in my audience. But I need to know, I need to have all of the information when I go to sell something. 
and it's the last thing I think about, but there's a huge section of the population that that's exactly what they're thinking about, that I won't get their trust, no matter how trustworthy I think I am. I'm not going to get their trust if I don't provide the proof they need to say yes. Do you recommend bringing in another person to work with that does that part? or do you... Absolutely. Okay. I mean, that's what, that's what teamwork's all about. That's what the Enneagram gives us, is an ability to say, like, hey, my natural, my personal natural capability is to stand on stage, put my shoulders back, and, and gain people's trust. I do what I say I'm going to do. I follow through. So that's my job. That's how I'm going to lead. But I have people on my team that research and think through everything and make my spreadsheets and say, hey, you can't keep their trust if you don't have X, Y, and Z buttoned up. And so I bring in people to support me where I'm weak, which means I have to know where I'm weak and be okay with that part of myself and be okay with being like, I would fall on my face without that other person making sure that I'm covered. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Whitney, we thank you very much for your time. I look forward to making all the wrong decisions at this taco bar. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And I think half of my decisions might even be just based on what items are the lowest because then I assume that more people already took them and I'm just going to use their advice. Oh, absolutely. You're just, you're going to see what happened before you and go with that. I like it. Yeah. If the rice and the beans, I'll Mm -hmm. see which is lower and then I can just determine which is better Mm -hmm. based Mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. I love that you're thinking through this. You obviously have a process. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you got a game plan. Uh, I I, I do. I mean, I I game plan. I'm I'm a gluten-free gal. So that's my game plan going in is I choose the gluten-free options. Okay, well, good luck. Yep. Yeah, corn tortillas are are my jam. Let's do it. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Murray is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab.